Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gary Owen, another episode of the Get Some Podcast. Enjoying my morning oat milk latte with nothing in it. When you do the podcast here, they got a, they got a whole group. They got camera guys and editors and everything. It's all in-house here. And every now and then they'll get, like, new PAs and interns and stuff. And it's funny when you ask them to get something and it don't come out right. Sometimes those PAs, their fucking face drops. I go, dude, you're fine. <laughs> You're not going to get fired over a oat milk latte. <laughs> but that's the thing. If shit doesn't work out for a PR intern, they'll go back to the latte incident. Like, they'll say something like, that fucking Gary, he told that I fucked up the latte. And now I'm fucking, I'm at Fat Burger. This sucks. <laughs> Everybody's been there. It's funny, I, I, I heard a Martin story, and I don't know if it's true. But I heard a story about Martin Lawrence when he had his TV show, Martin. Martin was like on a, on a rant one day, going off on people, blah, 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 just in a mood. He had sent this PA to go get McDonald's for him. He wanted a filet of fish and an apple pie. And Martin was just on 10 all day for some reason. And maybe Martin will come on the podcast and I can ask him this in person. And I guess the fish sandwich came and there was a thumbprint in the bread. Because, you know, filet of fish got the best buns, I think. And the, the bun was in the bread, and the Martin threw it against the wall. I'm like, God dang it, they're, you know, da, 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 and stormed out of the room. And the PA that brought him to McDonald's, everyone else is on pins and needles, just went, hey, Martin, you going to eat that apple pie? <laughs> and Martin like, started freaking out. I was like, ah, just eat the apple pie. And he said, that's how bra man came to be on the Martin show was that PA talked like that and was so calm in the middle of all the chaos. I don't know if the story is true. I have nobody that can validate it. It got told to me by somebody that worked on Martin, but if Martin Lawrence out there, hey, come on, Martin, I ain't seen you in forever. What movie did I do? What did I do? What movie did I do with Martin? Rebound, where I played the mascot. Yeah. So anyways, as you can see, bingled out again. Uh, Bengals got an offensive line. The best post I seen on Instagram for me was Leo Collins. Leo Collins from the Cowboys comes in. And if you ain't, I follow every Cincinnati social media page on Instagram. And all of them were saying, like, Leo Collins is in town. He's still there. And then there was like, oh, it was like two days he was in town. Then they said he's leaving. He's going to go meet with other teams. But... He does want to be with the Bengals, but he wants to weigh his office the first time he's going through free agency. The whole time, this freaking dude was in Cincinnati. He never left. And when all the national media outs were saying he left, somebody got a picture with him at the Kenwood Mall, which is the high end mall in Cincinnati, shopping. So everybody's like, wait a minute, he's in town. Come to find out, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow, when he got in town, had all the new free agents over to his house for dinner. And basically, they all wooed Leo Collins, who I think he wanted to go here the whole time, to come there and be the right tackle and protect Joe Burrow. So next year, the Bengals are going to have a new center, new guard. The whole right side is going to be new. And Jonah Williams is a, is, a, is a decent enough left tackle. And then the left guard is all that's up for grabs right now, really, as far as starters. like We'll see how the... The, the Carmen kid works out, but God. Then we got Hayden Hurst, the tight end, who loves C.J. Uzama for all he did for the locker room. 
and everything. But Hayden Hurst isn't, it's not like a step down in athleticism or what he can do on the field from CJ Uzama. So it's a good time to be a Bengals fan. And how freaking tough is the AFC going to be this year? Everybody's going to AFC. I thought Deshaun Watson was going to go to New Orleans. He goes to Cleveland. Just found out Tariq Hill is now going to be in Miami. I thought he might leave. When I heard trade rumors, I was like, please let him get out of the AFC. No, he's still in the AFC. Matt Ryan comes over to the AFC. Russell Wilson comes to the AFC. Devontae Adams comes to the AFC. Uh, no wonder Brady came back. I mean, you got, you got the Rams and the Buccaneers. Whatever team Tom Brady's going to be on is going to be decent. The Rams, the Buccaneers, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. That That's pretty much Green Bay. As long as you got Aaron Rodgers, you can be okay, I think. San Francisco, they're, they're built. Their team's built to not rely on the quarterback. So I think the top four teams in the NFC is right there as of now. I just, God, AFC's getting everybody. It's going to be murderer's row to get out of there. And the thing about me being a Bengals fan I'm not even worried about all these moves. I'm like, we, I still feel like we got one of the best quarterbacks and decent enough defense and the best trio wide receivers. The duo is debatable, but trio, Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar, I don't think he's a better trio. So I'm looking at all these moves, and in the past, I'd be all frustrated. I'm like, dude, we built from the inside. We got offensive linemen and a tight end that can block and, and wants to be here. And Hayden Hurst, and Leo Collins. Leo Collins said, your bodyguard is in town. And then Hayden Hurst, when they interviewed him, he was like, yeah, yeah I, I came here for Joe Burrow. Who doesn't want to play with Joe Burrow? I'm like, oh, my God. It's just a good time to be a Bengals fan. So, anyways, outside of the, all the football moves been going on, what is up with people running up on people at restaurants over, like, Jorge Masvidal runs up on Colby Covington. Uh, and I always liked Jorge. And but to me that was, I don't know. That was that was kind of. Uh, I don't want to say I don't want to get Jorge mad at me, but that was kind of a sucker punch move. Yeah, you know you got wind that Kobe was at a restaurant, and then I guess the what the police report said he came in with a hoodie and a and a, a surgical mask on, you know, COVID mask, and just came up and two pieced him with the soda, and uh, I, and then I'm like, I mean you. You signed, you could have did that when you fought him. And so, I don't know. I think Kobe is like a WWE wrestler. He's going to say whatever he can to get under your skin. I, what I've, I've heard, I've heard Larry Bird said some vile shit when he was playing. I heard with the, the, when the Pistons was out there, they were saying when the bad boys with Robin and Isaiah, they would say vile shit about your family and everything else. I think it's all, it's all trash talk. I don't take none of it serious. Me as a comedian, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, Faison came on my podcast and gave it to me about my family. And when I shot that movie with him over the summer, that I mean, he was always on me because I, I, you know, I know what it is. So I think Kobe does it to sell a fight, and and Jorge, I don't know, took it personal, and I, I didn't, I didn't like that at all. You know, can you imagine if every UFC fighter did that? Like they lose a fight and they're mad about something the dude said because. This is what I know. If Jorge Masvidal would have won that fight, this would have never happened. Whether it's decision or knockout, it wouldn't have happened. So there's, there's that frustration that he didn't get to knock out Kobe like he wanted to when he even had, had him hurt in the fourth round and was just too tired to finish it off. 
the frustration came in. And I, I think if Kobe Covington would have lost, he wouldn't have did that to Jorge. So Jorge was just in the wrong for this, you know, because people are saying you can't talk about somebody's kids and everything. I agree, but get, let's get the rematch or sanction another type of fight, something. Hell, they got slap boxing out there now. Do that. Uh, I really think Jorge would win a slap boxing match, though, for real. Uh, so anyways, and then, and then Kanye West and D.L. Hughley's getting into it, and one of Kanye's dudes runs up on D.L. at a restaurant, which is, again, a sucker movie. He's out with his family. And here's the thing about, you know you're losing when you do shit like that. Like, Jorge knew he lost that fight. That's why he attacked Kobe at the restaurant. Kanye West knows in the court of public opinion and social media, DL's winning. DL's smart. You're not going to come at him. DL's too smart. He's going to get you. And comedians go for the throat. So they're going to they're gonna get you where it hurts. And so you know you're winning when, that, when something like this happens, one of Kanye's dudes comes up to DL and confronts him at a restaurant, gets word he's out, and then comes after him. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's with all these restaurant confrontations. Like Kobe Covington's leaving the steakhouse in Miami. DZ, DL's at a, at a restaurant in Malibu. I'm going, what's the deal? When you go out to eat, that's supposed to be a safe zone. A and entertainment, period. That's a safe zone. Like, as entertainers, we don't, listen, we don't like taking pictures and signing autographs when we're out to eat. When you're sitting down with your family or whatever, that's like, leave them alone. Da, da, da. I just, you know, I've had, I've had some, a few weird incidents when I'm out to eat, you know. It's funny when people come up to you and you're out to eat and go, hey, I don't want to disturb your dinner, but I'm going to still go get, get this picture. I had one lady I was out to eat with my daughter. Had to be like eight, nine years ago. We was at the Cheesecake Factory in Cincinnati. And this lady literally sat in my booth. It's just me and my daughter in the booth. And the lady scooted in with her phone out to get a selfie. And I looked at her. She was crazy. And she goes, oh, you know it comes with this. And it, this what comes with it or something. You know this comes with it. Like, I was like, no, it doesn't. Uh, interrupting me at dinner with my daughter doesn't come with anything. And then her phone died. She never got the picture. She goes, ah, shit, my phone's dead. Then she has to use my phone. Can I see your phone? I was like, you must be crazy. Uh, anyways, and then she left mad that she didn't get the picture. So she interrupted my dinner or lunch with my daughter. I can't remember. Her phone died, and then she was upset that I wouldn't give her my phone to take the picture. The smoothest, let me see, the smoothest I ever seen somebody not take a picture with someone was Deion Sanders, probably about 2007 or 8. I was in Cincinnati. A bunch of the Ravens came in town, and for a while there, if there was a Monday night or Thursday night game and I was in town, I, I knew a lot of guys on most of the teams. So they would call me because they knew I was a Cincinnati guy and we'd go out to eat or go out to lunch. So this particular time, I go to this restaurant and I just remember Deion Sanders got in my car, four of the Ravens in my car, and Dion. And Dion had just retired the year before, so he was announcing and we got to eat at this place called the Montgomery and Boathouse. They got barbecue ribs, some of the best barbecue ribs. You love them or hate them if you're from Cincinnati. And we're sitting there, and I'm telling you, it was about 12 of the Baltimore Ravens and me out to eat. Because I remember Jamal Lewis was there, and that's his era. 
Daniel Wilcox, the tight end. There was, there was just a lot. This guy comes up, and of course, Dion is a megastar. He comes up, he goes, hey, Dion, Dion, hey, man, I know you out to dinner. I know I ain't supposed to interrupt, but I always told my mother, if I ever got a chance to meet you, I got to get a picture, brother. I got to get a picture. And Dion, in the same tone that this dude came at him, Dion goes, Brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being a fan, but I got one rule. I do not take pictures at dinner, but I do appreciate you. And the dude goes, that's real. That's real. And like, I swear to God, in my brain, as I'm replaying the story, he backed away like this. He didn't walk away. He was like, that's real. That's real. And faded back. <laughs> so then we're sitting there. I'll never forget, Jamal Lewis looked at Deion Sanders and was like, hey, man, why don't you take a picture with that dude? Deion goes, that motherfucker feels good about not getting that picture right now. <laughs> it's so Dion. It was so smooth. That motherfucker feels good about not getting that picture right now. Speaking of comedians, and I want to talk about this this episode, was I've been on tour the last two months with Mike Epps and talk about safe zones and not safe zones because it made me think about the restaurant and everyone was talking about last week, Jorge and Kobe, but I was more thinking of like DL and his beef with Kanye, because it really was like DL did the interview where he said, you know, that's a term of stalking with Kanye. And I have no stake in the game. I don't know the whole story. I, so I don't really have an opinion on it, especially being a dad right now, going through a divorce and seeing my kids, even though they're over 18, thrown in the middle of it. it you know, I'm looking at the Kanye Kim thing and I'm trying to be objective. So I'm not signing with anybody, but I did see... D.L. when he said that interview, I think it was on Vlad TV. So I've been on tour with Epps the last couple months. And it's funny because I like being on the road with Mike. He makes it, you know, it's just easy. Just, it's, it's, I don't want to say easy money, but the hardest part about my job is getting to the venue. It's getting the airline ticket, grabbing an Uber, rent a car, and booking the hotel. The stand-up is easy to me. That's fun once you're at the venue. But I remember probably about six, seven years ago, it's, it's the only time I've ever seen Mike go off on somebody. And it was hysterical because we were in Indianapolis, Mike's hometown. We was at this place called the Farmer's Coliseum. I don't know, five, 6,000 people. Because like, I think we did two shows, so it's like 10,000. So we had five, 6,000 people in the Coliseum that night. And we're sitting there. And as soon as I get off stage... Keep in mind, I just got off stage. I usually go up right before Mike on these shows. This guy, he's backstage, and I don't know who he is. And a lot of times, Mike's one of those guys, some comedians never have nobody around. Mike, whatever city he goes to, he just, he, he knows so many people. He's always got this guy coming in, this person coming in to say hi after the show. We was in New Orleans one time, and I go to Mike's dressing room after the show, and there's Samuel Jackson sitting there BSing with Mike. I was like, oh, uh, all right. I just, I just left the room. I was like, see you later. Didn't want to be that guy interrupted. So I get off stage and this guy like hands me up immediately. There's these things, there's like, should be like backstage etiquette and there should be someone to regulate this. As soon as anybody gets off stage, whether it's a singer or a comedian, the last thing you want to do as soon as we say goodnight and get off stage is have somebody there with their camera out and their phone out. Hey, Gary, let me get a picture. I was like, I just need five minutes. Let me get to my dressing room and relax. Like backstage is supposed to be where you can decompress a little bit. There's nothing worse than just as soon as you get off stage. I understand afterwards, 
like Mike's got friends and family there or Lavelle's got friends and family or S'more's got friends and family. I understand you got family and friends that want to meet you and say hi. That, that comes with it. I, I get that. But not as soon as you walk off the stage. That's the worst. You just want to take a deep breath. I just got off, did 30, 45 minutes. Just give me a minute. This guy, as soon as I got off the stage, he was on me. Hey, what's up, Gary? I'm Joe from uh, Combat Entertainment. It was some weird entertainment group that I'd never heard of. Yeah, from uh, Combat Kit Entertainment. And uh, hey, man, I got a Thursday night here in Indy. Man, I got to get you in there, man. And I looked at him. I was like, huh? He goes, I got this Thursday night spot. I go, is it a comedy club or something? He's like, nah, man, it's my spot. It was like a bar and grill. And this dude was telling me he's from like Combat Kit Entertainment. And he was like, I said, dude, I just, I just got off stage at the Coliseum in front of 5,000 people. I'm not going to come to Indy and do your bar and grill for 50 people in front of the buffet line. I was like, sometimes people don't even think. And I'm going, what, what the fuck? And I was more like, that's what you think of me? That's where you think I'm at in my career? And then, but he wouldn't let it go. Like, I felt hostage in my dressing room. And I'm going, Jesus Christ. And I'm literally looking at my road manager, Brad, who, God bless Brad, is one of my best friends in the world. But he's not the confrontational dude. I'm going, is he still out there? Can you get rid of him? And Brad just kept coming going, he's still there, man. No, he's still out there. I was like, fuck. And so I finally like, fuck it. I just walk out. And there's the dude waiting on me. Hey, man, let me get a pick real quick. And I was like, Ugh. and I should have, I should have stopped it too, but I'm being nice. And I don't, honestly, I don't know who he's with. So the last thing I want to do is go off on somebody and find out that's Mike's right-hand dude or anybody else on the show. That's their guy that probably just didn't know any better. So I'm frustrated. Then Mike comes out, right? Mike's about to go on stage because the host is up now. So, uh, and I don't know if somebody else went up in between, but now Mike's going on stage. And so he's going to be on stage in like five or 10 minutes. The dude sees Mike and goes, hey, Mike, man. And the guy, Mike just went, who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> like, went ham on the dude. Like, who, do, who knows this dude? And dude goes, hey, man. He goes, and Mike goes, man, who are you? And he was like, man, you know, it's, it's Joe from Combat Kid Entertainment. I'm Rick's friend who's Sally's cousin on the third side. Her mother's friend used to live across the street from your aunt. He gave a line like that. Mike goes, hey, man, get this dude out of here. So then the dude <laughs> is like, all of a sudden, he just disappeared. He was gone. I saw security coming and he was gone. And I like, that's the first time I saw Epps just go off. And what that told me was everyone was sick of that dude. So he probably had pitched his bar and grill Thursday night to every comic on that show that night. And I'm just going, oh my God. And I wanted to just hug Mike like, thank you, dude. Thanks for doing what I should have did. Thanks for doing what Brad should have did. Mike just went left on him quick. Hey man, who is this dude? No, or he, first he said, hey man, who are you? And then he yelled out like, anybody know this dude? Hey, man, come on, man. Joe, Combat Kit Entertainment. <laughs> I just like, oh, my God, this guy somehow got backstage and he shouldn't be here. And nobody said they knew him. Like, backstage was kind of jumping. It's Mike's hometown, so Mike had, if Mike normally has 10 people backstage, he had 50 on this one. So nobody knew the dude. I was like, I don't know how that dude got backstage, but oh, I'm sure somebody did this bar and grill at that show. But that, that was the first time I've ever seen Mike just go off on somebody. 
And I've, I, I felt like he did it for me too. As I'm on tour with Mike, it's funny because our, our tickets are on Ticketmaster. So for some reason, I get emails from Ticketmaster telling me who's coming and stuff. So you kind of can tell what comics are going where. And sometimes I'll just go to different comic social media pages and you'll see where they're going and stuff. And it's just, it's funny to me, like, I rem certain things in my career I remember. And then you can always see a shift when people are starting to sell tickets and they're on the come up and stand up. And so when I have people on, I'm always interested, like when I had Cedric on last week, I'm always interested in, in like, comics journeys like when did they start selling tickets because i asked said last week and he was talking about the st louis show and everything else and a couple of people that i've noticed in the last couple of years obviously is sebastian minikowsko um i remember 2017 i did the taft theater in cincinnati and we sold it out we just did one show sold it out sebastian did came to the Taft like a couple months before me. He did one show. I don't know how it did, but he did one show at the Taft. So the next year, a year exactly a year later, 2018, I did the Taft again. Sold out again. Sebastian did two shows at the Taft. And I went, oh shit. Sebastian's starting to move some tickets, like real tickets. Next thing I know, a year later, He's at MSG. He's doing arenas by himself, big events. I'm going, oh, shoot, he took off. And then I just saw a post like last week where he was at MSG again, sold it out. And those, it's crazy to me. And I hope to attain that one day. Just, I mean, I do great. Don't get it twisted. But those arena shows, when you see like Joe Coy or Gabriel Iglesias or Kevin Hart and now seeing Sebastian post these dang arenas and it's just packed all the way to the rafters i'm like oh my god i don't i don't get like jealous i get like inspired by stuff like that and if you're gonna ask me the next one to do that where i'm gonna be like oh i saw it coming i think it's gonna be andrew schultz or yeah i would say andrew schultz is gonna be the next one where I'm going to see he's doing those big arena pictures and just arena shows everywhere. And I remember, I remember I didn't know who Andrew Schultz was. I remember I, when I, I saw him on Joe Rogan and I go, why do I know that guy? And I remember it was because I saw Lil Duval was on tour and he brought Andrew with him to a couple shows and Duval was doing like behind the scenes. He was like on some cliff in the Bahamas or something and Schultz was diving off a cliff and Duval's making fun of him. Something like that. But I rem when I saw him on Joe Rogan, that's when it hit me. I go, oh, that's why I know that guy. He was on tour with Duval. And then I watched this episode on Joe Rogan. This had to be three, four years ago. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's doing everything himself. He's doing the podcast himself. He's got these, these camera guys that travel with him. He's got this internet like talk show where he interviews people. So I shot Andrew a DM and he was like, oh, man, yeah, I keep forgetting I've been in the game a long time. I keep forgetting people like, quote, unquote, grew up watching me. So he was like, oh, Gary, what's up, man? And we, we started DMing, exchanged numbers. And then, you know, a couple months later, I was in New York. I went on the Brilliant Idiots podcast with him and Charlemagne. And then I did another thing for him that night somewhere. And then, and now to see where he's at, and he's just like moving tickets. And it's all from him. It wasn't. 
anybody manufactured. It wasn't the quote-unquote machine getting behind somebody. That was him tapping in to a segment of society that wanted to hear what he was saying because he was going against the grain. He was going against cancel culture, and there's a lot of people. Very much like Andrew, to me, is like a new age Howard Stern where Stern was doing all this off the beat stuff that nobody was doing. And that audience was, and I think that's going to be course 20, 30 years later. I think that's going to be his audience. If you're, if you're asking me, he's to me, he reminds me of a Howard Stern, obviously different, younger up with the times, but that's who Andrew reminds me of. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know where his career is going to take him. Wouldn't be shocked if we hear him signing some crazy, million deal with uh, a a Sirius or a Spotify or something like that, or YouTube. Who knows where things are going nowadays? So I think he's the next one that's going to be doing those big, I'm going to see his social media and he's going to be doing these big, huge arena shows. I saw he sold out Radio City Music Hall. So I, I always text him and DM him when he's got something going on and just tell him, dude, you're crushing it. It's inspiring to watch. He's, he's one of the reasons, like, when I started doing this podcast at this studio, I was like, he's one of the reasons, like, I don't live in L.A., but there's times, like, I, do I really want to get on a plane and do this when it ain't, like, a ton of money right now? I'm like, nope, you got to stay consistent, and you got you to gotta build your audience, and you got to, like, at some point, knock on wood, it just happens. And you don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but all of a sudden people get wind and there's psh, and more people start talking and it just takes off. On, on the urban side, I think, and I don't know if Rena's right off the bat, but I do think one person I've noticed who's been grinding as long as I have, who's now starting to move some tickets, is Dion Cole. And Dion might not remember this. I met Dion at Magic Summer Weekend in 98, and he just walked up to me and goes, hey, them Chicago comics, man, they will introduce themselves quick. I remember D-Ray introduced me. The way he introduced me was I was about to bring him up on Comic View. He goes, hey, what's up, man? I'm D-Ray. Yeah, I got green eyes. And he had a green suit on. I said, I see that. You got the suit to match. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's how I met D-Ray Davis. So Dion was the same way. I'm, I'm, we were leaving a party or something, and he came up next to me, and he was like, hey, what's up, man? My name's Dion, man. I see you out there. I'm from Chicago. And da, da, da. Like, them Chicago comics have no problem introducing themselves, and they always say they're from Chicago. That's how I met Dion. But I've seen, I saw Dion's like, all of a sudden, if you don't know his story, and I, I that's one guy I want to go on my podcast just because interesting backstory of how we st- it, the needle started to move, so to speak, for him, was I remember he did one episode of Conan. And he did a Michael Jackson bit, and he, he always had his pad out, and he would write something down. And I don't know if that was part of the stick or he was really writing stuff down. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a combo. Uh, but next thing I know, he was writing on Conan, and then you see him on some sketches with Conan. And a couple of times I saw him on a private jet with Conan going overseas to perform. And Dion always had, had his own style, his own swag. All of a sudden, he started getting more acting gigs, gets on Blackish, But it didn't translate into ticket sales right away. And because I, you know, you, as a comic, you see comics come to comedy clubs. You see when they say we're sold out. You also know when people say they're sold out if the room was papered or you can look at ticket prices and be like, oh, it's, they're selling out at $20 a ticket and not $50 a ticket. So Dion, definitely over the last year, post-COVID, 
whenever when everything started to open up, he's just starting to take off. And I see him doing theaters now. And it's, he's got that Coology tour out there. So if when it's, I mean, just Google Dion Cole Coology and you'll see the, the tour dates on there. So I see him doing theater dates now. So it's cool to see the guys have been grinding. And they don't know that I'm watching this stuff. And that's the stuff that I watch to be like, okay, you got to stay consistent in this. Some some weeks, like podcast numbers in general will be up. Same with ticket sales. Some weeks, they'll be a little down. You can't explain it. You know, there's only so many Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart that they could just say, hey, I'm at at Roscoe's tonight. I'm going to go up. And like a thousand people show up trying to jam into Roscoe's to see them. Those aren't out there. A lot of the comedians, they just got to... They got to grind and grind and grind, and hopefully that it clicks, and then people start buying tickets. So Andrew and Dion are two that I've noticed, but I think Andrew's going to be the next one that is doing the big arena shows. I say by 2024, Andrew's going to, we're going to see a social media, and he'll be doing like Madison Square Garden type shit, United Center type shit. I'm just calling it right now. But it's funny when you think about, as a comedian, there's, those grinding dates that you had, I got so many in the beginning, like every comic, when you're just happy to be on the road and stuff. But I think one of the funniest things that happened, looking back on it, was there was a my manager at the time, my first manager when I got to L.A., he gets me a gig in Lake Havasu, Arizona. I don't know there's two sides. I don't know there's a California side and an Arizona side. He tells me this guy's going to open, I'm going to open for this guy. So this guy called and said, hey, Gary, I'm on the show with you this week. I don't know who he is. I I can't remember his name. This is 23 years ago. Never seen him since or heard from him since. That one, two days I spent with him in Lake Havasu. So he comes to my apartment, and I'm living in North Hollywood at the time, and he buzzes, I buzz him into the gate. He comes up to the apartment, and uh, when I say gate, let's use that word loosely. It was like, bzzz, and all the car, like it was on apartment buildings or apartment apartments are up here and you park underneath it. It wasn't really a parking garage, you just park underneath. The building was like on stilts, basically. Buzz the man, he comes up and we go downstairs and I'm thinking I'm going to get in his car. He's the headliner. No, 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 no. He goes, oh yeah, you're driving. I'm new to the game. I don't know how this works. So I'm like, okay. And literally I'm probably making maybe $100, maybe $200 on this gig. It couldn't have been more than $200 at the most. And so now I'm looking at it, I'm like, dang. And I'm not very confrontational. I'm thinking, oh, so I got I to gotta pay for gas and everything else that comes with this? So I got a two-seater S10 pickup. So now me and this dude are in my pickup. And we're driving. I'm not paying attention. This fucking guy, he started messing with the air and the heat. Like, he'd turn it or turn it. And I'm looking, I'm like, I'm cool, but just ask. Don't just do it. You don't get in somebody else's car. It's like car etiquette. You don't just turn the temperature. You ask, hey, you mind if I turn it down a little bit? Or It's rare somebody says no, let's be honest. I don't think I've ever been in a car and somebody said, I'm hot. Can I turn the air down? Can you turn the air down a little bit? No, no, I mean, I'm just sweat. I've never seen that happen. Or, hey, man, I'm I'm freezing. Can Can we turn the air up a little bit? Or the heat up a little bit? No, man, just freeze. I've never seen that happen. It's just etiquette. It's gonna somebody's gonna make their passenger accommodating. And so he just starts turning the shit. Then he started turning my radio station. I was like, what the? And so I'm already looking at this dude, and I don't know 
how this business, I'm looking at this dude like he's a seasoned vet, even though I never heard of him. I don't know every comic. So I don't know what exactly to say to him. I wasn't really standing up for myself. I'm a young guy. I don't know any better. So we're going. And when you go to Lake Havasu, there's a California exit. And then there's an Arizona exit. It's a big ass lake. I don't, I see Lake Havasu. This is before GPS in the phones, before GPS in the car. You're on a freaking Thomas guide. It's a, you know, looking at it the whole way. Or you go to the, you go to Kinko's and print off the directions. And I think that's what I end up doing. So I see Lake Havasu. I get off on the California side. I don't know that California is just a desert. And it ends at a gas station with a boat dock, basically. The Arizona side is where all the clubs and the bars and the hotels is. That's where, when you see spring break, that's the Lake Havasu everybody goes to is Arizona, that side. I don't know this. So I get up on the California side. It's a long, it's, it's a pretty long drive. In my mind, it was like 30, 40 miles. Might've been 10, 15. I don't know. All I know, I'm not paying attention. The gas light comes on. And I went, oh, shit, we gotta get gas. We're in the desert. Car runs out of gas. Long story short. In the middle of the desert. I felt like Chevy Chase in the movie Vacation when he went up on the ramp and landed and then he had to go find gas and help and the whole family just kind of stayed by the car and he said, I'll be back. Can't be that far. That's me. I'm running through. I told him, stay by the car. I'm going to go get gas or go get help. And I'm just said, I'm just going to keep going down this highway and I don't know how long it goes and hopefully I won't die. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. It's hot. And so, but this is when I had enough of this dude. The dude literally went, you ran out of gas? And I went, you could have drove. <laughs> and that's when he got kind of quiet on me. I was like, you could have drove. And then I just went, dude, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go find help. I'll go get gas. So now I'm running down the highway. Keep in mind, I'm early 20s, like 22, 21. So I got, I got, I got energy. I'm not worried about nothing. I'm literally in a jog. I'm like, I'm just looking at it like it's a little workout. So I'm jogging, sweating like crazy. Um, now I see, I just remember I saw a sign that said two miles to the lake. And I go, easy, I'm there, two miles. So I'm getting closer. I am not lying. I could see the gas station. I'm, I come over this bend, this little bend. I can see the lake. I can see the gas station. Why does this, after I've been probably jogging for over an hour or jog walk for over an hour to find help. This fucking guy <laughs> that I said, I'll go get help. Here he comes driving by. What's up, man? He's, he got a ride. Somebody was coming and the guy stood on my truck and this, this comic, I don't know who the comic was. He was. I know he was Jewish comic because all his material is about being Jewish. He goes walk, driving by, waving at me. And then I was like, this fucking guy. God help. I go, at this point, I wish he would, they wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen him until I got to the gas station. So I get in the back. It's funny. The, we, he was in a pickup. Now I get in the back of the pickup. And then we get to the gas station. I get the little gas can. and get gas in it. And we go back to my truck. The guy gave us a ride back. Thank God. And then I put the little gas in. Then I drove the last, whatever, four or five miles to that same gas station we just left. And filled up my tank. And then we had to go backtrack through California. He didn't say a word now because I kind of went, you could have drove. And I'm, it's tense. So now we got the show that night, right? So here's where it comes into play again. Here's my passive aggressive 
way of getting this dude back. So he said, uh, after the show, keep on the show's over. So it's like nine or 10 o'clock. He goes, Amen, we got to get out of here like six in the morning. I got to be back for a meeting or something in LA. And I'm going, hold, 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 hold on. This guy didn't drive. I'm already fed up with him. Now I'm not about to get up early to accommodate you. So I'm single, 21 years old, 22 years old. I'm partying. I'm out. I'm mingling, you know, trying to meet girls, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm all over Lake Havasu that night with, with the locals and people that have had the show. Because it don't matter if you've been on TV once or none. Some about being on that stage, and especially in those towns like Lake Havasu, these small towns, you're, you're the superstar that night. You're Brad Pitt to these people. So I'm partying with the locals all night. I might have got in at 2, 3 in the morning. I just remember I, uh, our hotel was on the same property as the show. And so it was one of them you had a slot. You had the front door. Then you, you had a sliding glass door that took you right to the lake in the back. of like a little grass area. So I closed the curtains, locked, made sure everything was locked, and I went to bed. This dude started knocking on my door at 6 in the morning. Then he started calling the hotel phone because I didn't have a cell. There's nobody had cell phones back then. And I just took the phone off the hook. Dink, because he's waking me up. This guy went to the back sliding glass door, and I could hear him starting to move it. And then he's knocking heavily on the glass door, pounding. I thought he was going to break the glass at one point. And I could see him trying to, you know, you got the curtains, you got that little slit. I could see his little head trying to look in the thing and see if I was in the room. We didn't leave there until about noon. They had to like, and I just sat in the room, started watching TV, completely ignoring him. He was so mad. He goes, I, I missed my meeting. And I said, again, I, again, I said, you could have drove. It was the most tense drive back to LA from Lake Havasu. But one thing he didn't do, he didn't touch the air conditioning. He didn't touch the radio on the way back. Dude left me alone. So that's just one of the quote unquote grinding stories when I see people like Schultz and Dion doing what they're doing and, and just killing it right now is uh, I, I like having comics on and hearing their grind stories about the come up because um, everybody's different. So, all right, well, that's enough about that shit. That's all I got this week. Uh, I'm on tour with Epps until mid-April. And I think the next time I have a comedy club date is April 29th, that weekend. 29th, 30th, I'm in Hartford, Connecticut at the Funny Bone. And then the week after that, which is the first week of May, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, at the Comedy House. Like, I'll just plug my shit. And then I think in May, I got uh, I got Dania Improv, which I think is Fort Lauderdale. It's a new one near Miami. I got that too. So I got a, I got a new website because... Uh, in the divorce, uh, my ex was the, um, she was the administrator for GaryOwen.com. So I don't have her right now. So we got a new website. It's GaryOwen.live. So go to GaryOwen.live for all my updates. GaryOwen.com, who knows what's going to be on that <laughs> when this divorce is over. <laughs> I'm a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of bullshit about me. I don't know. But GaryOn.Live is my website if you want to see any of the tour dates I got coming up. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow me on all social media outlets. I'm on all of them. So I can sit here and go Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on all of them. So follow me. We're going to put the links right here. On YouTube, that little bell icon that's up here, I never knew what it was for. I found out 
bing, it'll notify you when new episodes are on. So hit that bell on YouTube, ding, and then you can find out when I'm on YouTube. It'll pop up. It'll be, it's like a Christmas gift. And you don't know when it's coming. I mean, I know the, the podcast is on every Thursday. New episodes every Thursday. But I got clips. You know, when they coming. Hot and heavy. And I got stand-up clips. And I might just want to post something every now and then. So hit that bell. Bing! Ring the bell, homie.